Hey everyone, it's Caleb. Thanks so much for deciding to spend a few minutes of your day here with me on the Learner's Corner podcast. Today, I am honored to be joined by Luann Huska, who has recently authored a brand new book called Hurting Yet Whole, Reconciling Body and Spirit in Chronic Pain and Illness. And I was so excited to talk with her today because honestly, I, I haven't had a whole lot of experience in my life, whether my, with myself or who are close to me who are in chronic pain. And so I was excited to have this conversation with her and just expand my perspective even more and just to, just to learn from her and from her experience and everything that she's going through. And we're going to get, get into that conversation here in just a second. Before that, I do want to give a couple of quick shout outs to Garrett Oler, who does the editing for this podcast, and Sam Massey, who has provided the music for this podcast as well. They help make the podcast so much better. And I'm so grateful for the both of them. And if this happens to be your first time listening to the Learner's Corner podcast, I do want to tell you a little bit about it. You know, here on the Learner's Corner, this is a place to where we can have dangerous conversations. And what I mean when I say dangerous is that conversations that you're afraid of what the person that you're wanting to talk with about, you're not sure what their response is going to be, whether that's going to be one of judgment or one of shame. You're just afraid because you don't know what they're going to say. You're not sure if it's going to be hurtful or harmful or whatever it might be. And here on the podcast, we truly want to create a safe place because we believe that we can learn something from everyone. And so this is a podcast to where we can learn from anyone and everyone, anything and everything. And, uh, you know, if you've been here on the journey for a long time, you know that we do that. We learn from all sorts of people all of uh, all of the time. And one of those people that we're going to be learning from is from Luann today. I'm going to tell you just a little bit about her before we jump into our conversation. She is a freelance writer and speaker focusing on topics of embodiment and spirituality. Her writing on everything from chronic pain to evangelical fertility trends appears in Christianity Today, The Christian Century, In Touch Magazine, Hyphen, Sojourners, and Church Health Reader. She lives with her husband and their three little boys in the Chicago area. And I'm so excited that we get to, that we had the chances to talk about her upcoming her, her upcoming. Her book is already out. So excited that we got to talk about her book, Hurting Yet Whole. And I'm so excited to have you on the Learner's Corner podcast today to talk about your brand new book, Hurting Yet Whole. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And just as we get started, one of the questions that I just always love uh, to start most conversations with is I just love hearing the story behind what made someone want to put out, you know, a book, a piece of art or video or whatever it might be. And so can you just walk me through, you know, the the event or the series of events that happened uh, to kind of make you want to put out this book? Sure. I had just finished college. I was about a year out from graduation and started having some pain in my ankle, which I thought was some sprain that would go away in a couple of weeks. And that dragged out for months before I acknowledged that it was chronic or that it would possibly be a thing that would stay in my life for a while. And I was um, 
part of a church at that time and surrounded by lots of caring um, Christian people. But one of the messages that I kept hearing was that um, you can be well, you can be healed if you want to say, even if your body's not get or getting better, as long as you're spiritually well. So um, the, the emphasis was on what am I doing spiritually in my soul and perhaps how can I overcome or um, transcend my body and the pain and the limits that I'm feeling in order to be whole. And I was really unsatisfied with that message because I've always um, felt that my body is such an integral part of who I am. Um, as a dancer, you know, I've um, been a dancer in the past and this is a person who loves to be out in the world and creation, um, connecting to the world through my body. So I wanted to explore what do bodies mean when they're um, painful and um, sick? Does it only mean that, um, is it just an indicator that we um, are part of this fallen world and that um, there's sin and brokenness in the world or, or can we learn something else from our vulnerability and limits and does it connect with the Christian story in, in any in a different way besides Jesus is going to, you know, get rid of our suffering one day. So that's, that's where the book started. And um, I'm an anthropologist by training. And I also just uh, love to think about theological topics. So I started to um, ask people, other people to tell me their stories and started collecting stories. And then I took some of my own anthropological background and um, theological questions and pull that all together into a book. Mm, yeah. And I, w I really want to get into the theology of it in, in just a minute. But b before that, for, for the person who's listening, you know, I think I think a lot of people have probably uh, maybe heard of chronic pain before, but it's just kind of a term that like mm -hmm. they've heard it, but they don't know necessarily what it is. Can you just mm -hmm. elaborate on that just a little bit? Yeah. Um, you know, when I first started having pain, I was really unwilling to name it as chronic when it kept going. But from what I read, it's just any pain that is ongoing mm -hmm. that lasts more than a couple weeks or more. And so for me to name it was to put myself in this category that's sort of marginalized. Like you said, not a lot of people identify with that. Although once you start to talk to people, they come out of the woodwork and they're like, yeah, I actually have chronic migraines or um, I have fibromyalgia, but it's a, it's a pretty um, ambiguous category. I think some people have pain that's like constantly present, like some people, for example, friends that I know with fibromyalgia, they have flare-ups. So they have seasons where they're doing all right. And then all of a sudden they're like, everything's just kind of on fire for a while. And then there's a few months of that and then they kind of get better. So it can really vary the experience of it. But, and, and I know like making um, the book have that title can sort of like limit um, the audience of the book. That's something that, you know, IVP and I, um, my publisher talked about, like, who is the audience? Is it just for people with chronic pain? And I think chronic illness is another kind of related category. Often um, 
they're overlapping. But um, really, um, and this is what one of my endorsers for the book said, this book is for anyone that has a body or knows someone that has a body. <laughs> so because we all, our bodies, then that's what I talk about in the book, like our bodies will all go through suffering at some point. It's not like we're in the healthy category and then other people are in the unhealthy category or the the not the pain-free and the painful category it's like we just kind of go back and forth throughout our lives so once we can acknowledge that then we can receive the messages of you know like this is who we are yeah. <laughs> this isn't something we have to like run away from yeah what what was it like whenever you know you first started experiencing your chronic pain and obviously you hadn't labeled it yet but you're experiencing this pain for for weeks and even months and it's like it's not going away. Meanwhile, you're thinking, and and if I'm wrong, but I mean, and imagine there you're thinking like, hey, it'll it'll go away. Maybe it'll go away tomorrow, or and it's mm-hmm. not going away. What was that like? Yeah, first it was a lot of uh, going to a doctor and sort of having this like save me mentality. Like I would uh, see the next doctor and think, okay, this person's gonna know what it is, and. Like, for example, I got an MRI once and I thought, yes, finally, like, I'll know what it is and we'll fix it. So I had a kind of a fix it mentality of uh, once I once I can just figure out what it is, then I'll be able to get rid of it. And as I kept going to more doctors and trying more treatments and that wasn't the case, um, that's when I started realizing, wow, this could be something that I'm going to live with for a long time, maybe the rest of my life. And I don't know if it's going to get better. And um, I re- reference a psychiatrist named Bessel van der Kolk in my book, who is his book, The Body Keeps the Score is really um, mm-hmm. well known. He talks about how situations become intolerable if they feel interminable. And that's what it started feeling like to me, like once it felt like, oh, this might not have an end, then um, that's when the depression and the anxiety started to set in. And that's the feeling of a I really want to like run away from this, but I can't because it's my body and I'm stuck here. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was really hard. Um, a lot of really dark feelings. Yeah. Was, was there like uh, a turning point for you of where, you know, you moved from, you know, I don't know if acceptance is the right word, um, but was there just a turning point in your, in, or, a, or a, a perspective changing event that happened to you? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it took me a couple years to realize that this might be my new normal and to accept that this is going to be my new normal. And that means like, I might not be able to do a double pirouette again, or I might not be able to like hike the Camino Real in Spain, which is something I've always wanted to do. Uh, things like that, that I had to let go of, like things that I were really tied to my identity. But um, I, there was one summer um, in particular, which was two years after the pain started, um, when my mom suggested that I try some traditional Chinese medicine. And we actually, my husband and I took a month long trip back to China, which is where my family, most of my extended family still lives. And I stayed with my aunt and we did some traditional Chinese treatments. And honestly, it wasn't the treatments that um, helped, but it was the the change of scenery. And then we came back to the United States and we moved, we were actually moving to a different city. So I could start my master's degree at the University of Chicago. And starting that program gave me something else to think about 
And so I, I was so fixated on the idea of getting better in what I thought was what it meant to get better or healed. Um, but having just the whole sequence of events where I, I was able to change um, the pace of my life also allowed me to kind of find some new ways to think about my pain um, and start to um, just accept that these were like the pieces of my life and maybe find new ways to put the pieces together rather than like, I have to have it be this way in order for me to move on. Mm-hmm. How, how has your perspective changed on pain? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, from a, from a lot of Christian, um, traditions, I think, or in Christian communities, we can think about pain as something that is bad. Mm-hmm. Like there's this inherent like negative quality to it that um, we think about um, often like the, the story of the creation and the fall as we were pain-free and then Adam and Eve ate the fruit and then sin and death and suffering and disease came into the world. And now we're living with the um, the da- the fallout of mm-hmm. Adam and Eve's disobedience, and for for someone experiencing pain, that might be experienced. And I I had this experience a lot of this is something I did wrong because there's a sort of an intrinsic connection that we make between pain and sin, mm-hmm. and that might be corporate sin or it might be individual sin. But I kept thinking I have to fix myself or I have to do something to fix this problem. So I saw sin or pain as a problem to be fixed. And um, I started to uh, rethink that as I continued to have pain, like because I I didn't want to see my body and myself as a problem. Obviously, mm-hmm. like I was like, this is what it is. So how can I make peace with that? That's when I started exploring different theological um, interpretations of the creation and false story, but also um, even looking into different religious traditions and how they think about pain and suffering. For example, um, I've read the Tao Te Ching, which is the the Taoist um, religious text. And and there's a lot of uh, let things be, everything will flow to its right place. And um, pain, uh, you can treat pain as you would like a child, like Mm. gently and like compassionately and sort of holding the pain as you would hold a child and and making space for the, that child and those feelings to arise instead of just pushing it away. So all of those different um, angles to come about it really helped me to make peace with chronic pain. Yeah. Would you learn about, you know, about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit in in their relationship to like your pain? Hmm. Yeah, the the most significant thing for me when it comes to like how does God see me and my pain was just the the idea of the incarnation and we're in the season of advent as we're recording this right now mm-hmm. where we're thinking about what it means for jesus god to come and that he came already um, in human form and experienced everything we experience in our human bodies but also that he's coming again and he still has a human body 
and you will still have a human body in the resurrection. So that awareness of Jesus's embrace of um, everything that I am as a human being and all of the things that I feel in my body, that he knows all of that intimately, that has helped me so much to be present to my own pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next thing that I want to ask you about is you write about how, um, about how, uh, that our idea of what healing looks like might be different than what healing actually ends up looking like. Can you talk about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I said before, with, um, when I first started having pain, what my idea of healing was, was going back to how I felt before the pain started. And I had this perception that my body was um, like pretty doing pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. um, I think we, we at, in Christian circles, we might think of like creation and what um, Adam and Eve and what they experienced before the fall were like was perfection. And uh, I think when we think about healing, we think about it as going back to this original, perfect, created state. What we know from um, like scientific record uh, is that there has been disease and viruses and parasites. There's evidence of this in the fossil record from before um, humans were around. So that uh, gives us a sort of a opening to question, well, maybe um, creation wasn't perfect, quote unquote, in that we never experienced pain or we never got a cold or who knows what Adam and Eve's, you know, how they experienced their bodies. But but just to open us up to that, there, there may be other ways of looking at that story and one of the theologians that I really uh, appreciated as I was um, just working through all of these questions was um, a theologian named Terence Fretheim, who uh, writes a book called Creation Untamed. He writes a lot about like the theology behind natural disasters and how we can think about those kinds of things. So he talks about how creation um, wasn't perfect, but it was good. Like that's what mm-hmm. God says in the Genesis stories. Like it is good for all of the different um the, tr- the foliage and the animals and the stars and the sun, it is good, not perfect. So that has helped me to re- reorient how I think about healing. Maybe it's not going back uh, to, to our like created original state, but maybe it's just being able to like find purpose and goodness in where we are right now. And also to know that God is like, continually working out transformation so it won't always be this way like i look forward to the new creation too when um all things will be made new and i don't know what that means but um i don't think it means going back i think it means going forward Mm -hmm. that that is such a good distinction because i think you're you're absolutely right sometimes we think perfect and good are the same thing and they're not Mm -hmm. um are there are there any other messages about healing that you heard just through your own research or even through your own experience that you realized like that may not be exactly what healing looks like, or maybe some common stuff that is maybe that is taught that healing may not actually end up being that way. Mm -hmm. 
there's a, a another distinction that um, I'd like to make between yeah. healing and curing. Mm. And so when we go to a doctor, we think, heal me. And we might think that um, the doctor is going to be able to fix us. Mm. Uh, but then that kind of puts doctors on a pedestal. Uh, for what their role is, which, um, and I get this from a, an author who is also a physician named um, Rachel Naomi Remen, who talks about this distinction between healing and curing. That the doctor's role is to cure, and sometimes, though, like when we have a chronic illness or chronic pain, we might not be be cured, but that doesn't mean we can't be healed mm-hmm. because healing. Um, is this uh, is this thing that happens on a deeper level that's not just about like the fix, but about, um, uh, so just to move on to like, I know you had yeah. questions about um, going down the road, uh, about bringing like all the different parts of ourselves together and, and experiencing coherence or like oneness between ourselves and God and other people and creation. Yeah. And let's, let's just stay there. What, what, what are some of the other practices or some of the things that have helped uh, either you in your own life or just through your own research that you've discovered helps lead us to becoming more whole people? Mm-hmm. Um, so really basic practice that mm-hmm. I've um, just, I always come back to this is breathing. Yeah. <laughs> And acknowledging that it, uh, we have to breathe and it, it just paying attention to what it means to like breathe in and out. Like I'm alive and I love this. Um, there's this phrase that I remember from a, a spiritual father of mine who said, you know, every breath you take is um, an affirmation of God's confidence in you. Like it's, it's like God is sustaining that breath. So like, the fact that you are breathing means that you have a reason to be here mm-hmm. <laughs> on this planet. So um, that that basic awareness of our um, like our creatureliness and our dependence on God through our breath, but also like being able to know that this is this is my body that's that's helping me to be alive <laughs> right mm-hmm. now, has um, also opened the door to. Uh, more practices. For example, I've um, really benefited from meditation, which is also like just being mindful yeah. of what's around me, the set, you know, my five senses and, and my environment. And when I'm able to like, kind of come home to my body, instead of like kind of being in this like loop in my head of what's going to happen next. And what, what do I need to do to fix my problem? Then um, I'm able to sort of just take it in instead of like be on the outside, like trying to fix everything and, and be in control of everything. And that just, that that's just like a, a different heart posture that um, has really helped me to um, be present in my body and just to, to see that there's good things around me, even when I can be so fixated on things that are wrong about my body or that I feel like are wrong about my body. Yeah. And it's just amazing. And this is just something that I think I've I've just learned probably within the last year. It's amazing how our bodies are trying to communicate things to us mm-hmm. and how important it is that we pay attention. Like the biggest thing that I think about whenever it comes to me 
is whenever it comes to my emotions and everything. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can physically like feel them in my yes. chest. And it's yes. and it is like a sign of like slow down. Like I want you to deal mm-hmm. with this thing right now. Do you just have any any other thoughts on that? Oh yeah. Um right. It's like so funny how sometimes we have to like check in and say, oh, I'm actually feeling really angry. I didn't even like, (laughs) I wasn't even aware of that. Or Mm -hmm. I know for myself, like it it comes out a lot when I'm um, trying to go to sleep. And then all of a sudden I'll have like this uh, racing heart and um, just like tight chest. And I'm like, oh, wow. I don't don't know where that's coming from, but it's like, there's these things that our bodies are holding. Like there's a phrase that my my massage therapist friend uses like we hold our issues in our tissues yeah. <laughs> that uh, that are on this level that we are like consciously not aware of for most of the day, but they're there. And I think our bodies can be a source of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, we think about like when we're talking with someone, um, how do we gain knowledge about how they're feeling and what their posture is towards us, it's mostly through the nonverbal. It's through the body language. And mm-hmm. I know it's harder these days when we're all on Zoom to like kind of pick up on yep. all of those signals. And that's what makes Zoom um, conversations so challenging because we're like trying, our bodies are trying so hard to like connect with the, like the other person. And it's like, we're using all of our senses and it's like the input is so um, kind of like muted that it takes so much energy. So we, we talk about being zoom tired and all mm-hmm. that because like our bodies were made to like be present with other bodies. And that's how we like as human beings gather information. So um, I think this season can be one that we reflect on like what, what is the value of our bodies and being present in our bodies um, when we don't have it, we can kind of see what, what we're missing when we don't have it. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, and just, just as you were talking, I was even thinking about like the, the having trouble sleeping thing. And I just want to run something by it that I was just thinking about it. Is it almost like our bodies could some, or our minds could sometimes be like, yeah, the reason why I'm racing so much is because you wouldn't slow down at all today. Mm-hmm. I know. Do you have any other thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I, I thought about that. Like, um, maybe sometimes like I stay up at night because I haven't given myself the space throughout the daytime to process um, Mm -hmm. and to like sit with what I'm feeling or what I, whatever like challenging or really high emotion thing that I just went through. Um, And now like finally there's space, but I want to like, I want to go to sleep, (laughs) but my body's like, no, I need to like get this out and I need to like, sort of like process it in like physical form. So like, I, yeah, I think there's definitely something to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of one of the people that you quote in your book is you have this quote from Parker Palmer and he says wholeness. And this goes back to, I think just what we were talking about earlier. Wholeness doesn't mean perfection. It means embracing brokenness as an integral part of life. Can you just elaborate more on, on that quote? And just how that speaks to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he's referring to. Um, I love, by the way, I love all of Parker Palmer's writing, and I highly recommend all of his books. So that yeah. um, quote comes from a book called um, "A Hidden Wholeness," which is actually about um, 
what he calls um, circles of trust, which is this uh, sort of modern day version of the Quaker clearness committee, which is where like people would sit down if they had something that they needed to like some question that they had about their like their purpose or vocation or future direction. They'd sit down with a group of people and they'd ask questions to them. And it um, he he like uh, elaborates on like a modern day version called circles of trust, which he describes as like we need places where our soul can come out of hiding. Mm. And um, because he sees that there's like a disconnect often between our inner and our outer lives. So um, what we project to the world can be so different from what we're actually experiencing internally. Mm -hmm. And um, that has, you know, we can see the way that that disconnect can cause so much trouble and um, lead down to so many like terrible outcomes when it comes to like, mega church pastors who yeah. um, have this projection that is so different from what they're living internally. And so his ideas of wholeness as like um, integrity, uh, as like bringing these different parts of ourselves together. And his, he talks about it more in terms of inner and outer life. But I, I started reading his work and I was thinking about, well, that could apply too to our, like our body and our spirit. Like often we, um, we like have this disconnect between my my mind and who I think I am as a person. Like I'm I'm a spiritual being and I'm like a Jesus follower, but that's like me in my spirit. And then there's my body, and it's like I don't know I don't know what that's all about. Yeah. <laughs> often like there's just like a disconnect. So I thought like we have to be able to like put those two things together because we often see our bodies as broken and like, okay, Mm -hmm. that's not part of our real selves. And, and I know there's like scriptures, like passages that can can kind of reinforce this idea, like depending on how we read them. Mm -hmm. Like I, I I quote Paul uh, who says, there's like a verse where he says, you know, our, our um, outer bodies are wasting away, but our spirits are being renewed day by day. And that can, that can be interpreted for uh, to mean like, well, like, you know, our, our, our outer bodies are just broken and not that important, but what's mm-hmm. important is that we focus on our spirits. Um, so that that's also um, a source of disconnect. If we're mm-hmm. not able to like integrate what we're experiencing in our, in our bodies with who we are as human beings. So that's, that's what I um, was trying to do with this book is to bring um, all of those experiences, like including our physical experiences into who we are. Like, what does it mean to integrate and to have coherence between all these experiences, body, mind, and spirit. Yeah. And you're really making me think during this, this conversation, mm-hmm. Luann, because I'm even just thinking of what you were saying there of, of just, and it hadn't hit me before, but even how our, uh, our bodies are, are a part of our stewardship that God has given us. Like mm-hmm. he has given us this body. And like, I, I just had the thought, like at the end of our lives, will he ask, what did you do with the body? that I've given mm. you. I, mm. I don't know if you have any, th- any thoughts on that, but that thought literally just came to my mind. Hmm. That's, I've never thought about like um, stewarding the body. I mean, we think about stewarding creation yeah. and our bodies are part of creation. Um, I think when we think, I think there's a big connection between how we perceive creation and how we steward creation and how we yeah. steward our own bodies. If we have the idea that, 
um, which like a lot of like um, end times theology can kind of lead us to think, oh, when Jesus comes again, he's just going to get rid of everything and it's mm-hmm. just going to be burned. <laughs> and yeah. we're going to have this um, new heavenly existence. Um, but like in Revelations, the kingdom of God, like God comes down yeah. <laughs> and to earth and he, he set, sets up his kingdom here. And I don't know what that means as far as like transformation and how yeah. that that's all going to play out. But what it, what it means for me now is that my body matters mm-hmm. for the new creation. Like, it's not just that I, uh, this is just something that I'm like living in and it's the shell of who I am that I, and my real self is going to go on to new creation. But this body that I'm in right now is part of what God's going to take. It's the raw material that's God's going to take to, um, turn into something different, but still like, it's still the the same body that he's mm-hmm. going to use. So, um, yeah, yeah it, it matters what I do with it and how I live in it now. Well, one of, one of the things that you, uh, wrote in there is you have this quote that we are souls and bodies, but we are also bodies with souls. We will never not be bodies, even though the implicit messages we have heard in the church may have misled us to believe we will one day shrug off the physical encumbrances I'm just curious, are there are there any, and, in, and we've talked about it uh, throughout this conversation, but are there any other messages in the church that, you know, maybe they might be well-intentioned, but they're potentially harmful whenever it comes to messages about our bodies? Mm-hmm. Right. I think I mentioned most of them, just the idea yeah. that our our souls are our real selves and our bodies are just a shell or the tent. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, also just the, the whole idea of soul saving and salvation as like mm-hmm. saving souls can mean that um, we're focused on, um, okay. Uh, what does it mean to experience the life of God here and now? Like you pray and you, um, do good works and you go to church, but is there any like evidence of that in our bodies or in Mm -hmm. our world, in our institutions or human institutions? So, um, yeah, the message is that, um, you know, the physical is kind of secondary to the spiritual. Those are all, um, they can be like kind of distorted and carry out, play out in ways that, kind of I think diminish the the message like the gospel like the truth and the impact of the gospel that should have an impact on all areas of our lives yeah uh just as we're kind of moving towards uh wrapping up one of one of the questions that I uh, love to ask uh people from time to time is like what's what would you say is at stake if we choose not to do this choose not to care for our bodies and then what is like, what is the benefit that we will see from choosing to take care of our bodies and living that that integrated and whole life that you were talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for me, like when I think about what happens when I don't pay attention to my own body mm-hmm. is that I, um, I, I kind of live this half life, you know, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm not able to like pay attention. I'm not able to be present to my kids or, um, 
the good things happening around me, um, nature, when I'm not able to, like, like I said, breathe and like just be present and know that, like take in all the, like the input that I'm getting from my five senses that keeps me from um, then like kind of engaging in the world fully. So like mm-hmm. wholeness is what we lose yeah. <laughs> when we um, don't take care of our bodies. But um, but I think also if you're, if you're asking like, because I think there's this message that we get in Christian circles that if uh, maybe like you can like kind of transcend your body and transcend mm-hmm. your pain or like, like it's spiritual to overcome our limits. So if we um, can do kind of more and more and more um, and um, keep going, even if we're having pain and that's like, wow, like you're, you're so like spirit filled and oh, like yeah. great. Um, and my message is that no, we have to like acknowledge that we are human bodies with limits. Like we need to eat and sleep mm-hmm. and rest and and for people with chronic pain and illness, that that might be a lot more sleeping and resting than a, a lot of us are able to like be comfortable with because we're so focused on being productive in our society. And like, a lot of that means like kind of keeping up and kind of pushing our bodies to our limits or even pushing our bodies beyond our limits in order to, to just do what we feel like we ought to be doing as like valuable members of society Mm -hmm. Um, so when we're like pushing those limits all the time we start to like believe that that's our worth is what we produce and and we and i think we lose a sense of like we are valuable because like we are god's own and that's it like no no other like qualifiers to that so when we're able to just embrace our bodies because our bodies kind of like show us our limits and show us no, we can't, we're not superhuman. We, we do, we do have to like take care of ourselves. Um, then we're able to just receive like that. Um, our value is not from those things that we do, but is just because of who we are, because we are God's created beloved people. Yeah. And, and I think one of the things that, that blows my mind and you talk about this in the book also is how Jesus embraced that way of living like he had all the limitations that we had and he lived at a very slow pace of life and yet mm-hmm. here we are still you know live living uh you know living uh i'm trying to think of how i want to say this but we we are still experiencing the 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 benefits of of his life and everything mm-hmm. we are still we are still experiencing the effects from his life 2000 years later mm-hmm. and he lived at such a slow yeah. pace and a limited life to what you were talking about right jesus didn't have a huge platform or a social media presence and and even i think about you know people brought their people came from all over to be healed and he didn't heal every one of them like he was limited mm-hmm. and yet I don't know. I don't know why. And that's obviously one of the questions that we're always asking, why didn't you? And, and and for people that still are living with our, our illness and our pain, why, why not me, Jesus? Why, why wasn't I one of those people, but still, despite like his human limits, or maybe because he was able to embrace what it means to be human. That's, um, that's why his, 
the power of like the the message that he had and like yeah. the fact that he he like poured his spirit on us so that we we could kind of tap into this like deeper resource like we're still limited human beings but we also like are plugged into to God the Father and to the body of Christ now and um, we have this like supernatural connection that transcends our human limits um, but it's not because like we need to like do more and more and more it's just because like we are connected so we don't have to do it all because we know that like we're just one part of the larger story yeah uh, last question I want to ask is looking back over the years that you've had uh, chronic pain, has there been, have you seen like a central theme in your life or themes or even lesson or lessons that you've uh, just learned through it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was talking with a friend of mine about this book and I told her, and this was this insight that came to me as I was talking with her, that if I were to sum up the message of this book in one word, it would be presence. Mm. Like just pay attention to what is happening in your body and also how God is present with you. And like, how can you be present to your own suffering and, um, pain and limits and vulnerability and how does that presence open up the door for you to be present to other people's pain and mm-hmm. suffering and limitation and it all starts because god chose to be present to us and god chose to make himself vulnerable to everything that we're vulnerable to through jesus's incarnation so yep that's the word the theme yeah. <laughs> well Luann, i know that people are going to want to pick up the book and continue to follow and learn from you. Where's the best place for people to find the book and to keep up with you? Yeah, you can get the book at any um, major bookseller. Um, and you can also go to the InterVarsity Press website, which is www.ivp.com. And you can find Hurting at Whole there. And you can also go to my website, which is luannhuska.com, L-I-U-A-N-H-U-S-K-A. And um, my Twitter handle is also the same. Luann Huska. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Caleb. Well, hey, if you enjoyed listening to this conversation, the best way to make sure that you don't miss any future conversations is by subscribing to the podcast. I'm whatever podcast player you use, whether that be Apple podcast or Stitcher, or if you're like me and you listen on Spotify, just go ahead and hit that follow button and you'll never miss a podcast because it will always show up in your feed. And if you if something really stood out to you from if something really stood out to you from this episode, or if there's something you know maybe it's a good book or an article or a podcast that you're just really excited about, I would love to hear from you. And so you can reach me at my Instagram handle, which is at Caleb J Mason. Would love to hear from you. Would love to talk with you, um, just about kind of the things that you're most excited about and learning from right now and so thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast thanks to garrett and sam for helping make the podcast happen and until next time keep learning and keep growing 